I was out walking Buck. <laughs> when suddenly I realized that he wasn't stopping at every tree and hydrant on the block. And that's when I looked down at the end of the leash and saw that I was Buck naked. <laughs> Something was missing. He couldn't have been gone for long. His food got eaten every day. Al! Let's rock. Thanks, Dad. Can I get a woman? No Man Presents, live from the nudie bar, the Married with Children podcast. Yeah, welcome back to the nudie bar down under here in Australia for the Married to Children podcast. My name's Matt, and tonight we're reviewing Season 8, Episode 11, Change for a Buck. Originally aired 28th of November, 1993, written by Kim Weisskopf, directed by Amanda Chickenlegs Burse, and our guest cast tonight, the voice of Buck, Cheech Marin, in second or the third of times voicing Buck. Floyd the Dog, but played by Dom DeLuise. Mother, Janine Jackson. Father, Lenny Wolf. Timmy, I'm assuming the son of the mother and father, Joshua Boyd. And Mustafa, Ralph P. Martin. So, as I said, my name's Mash, and uh, I, I just drew the winning ticket to Oil the First Girl. Wow. This is Annabelle, and I don't know when they started letting women carry stun guns, nunchucks, and chainsaws, but I would like to have known that. And my name's Steve. Is it that time of the week already? Time sure flies when you're married and have no life. <laughs> <laughs> so, a good friend's IMDb give this very scant summary submitted by Anonymous. Lacking attention, Buck decides to run away from home and the rest of the family doesn't discover that he's gone until a week later, which is a time limit for the dogs at the pound where Buck winds up. Al is then torn by between going with her family to look for Buck and going to the nudie bar with Jefferson for a wrestle to your raw night. Oh, very badly punctuated and very badly written out. But anyway, that's IMDb su- summaries for you. Yes. I'm not a, f- I'm not a fan of the summaries. Hmm. <laughs> I'm sometimes tempted to rewrite some of them or submit new ones. Uh, or maybe we should do that from now on. I think somebody should, really. <laughs> It is entertaining re- reading how bad some of these are. <laughs> it is. My fa- personal favourite so far has been Giggly Room instead of Jiggly Room. Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Al Bundy's dog is in the pound. Bart's gone! Now, Al must choose between a hot oil free-for-all and saving his four-legged friend. The whole family should look for him. Well, I'll keep my eyes peeled from here to the nudie bar. Let's go, Jefferson. Cheech Barry guest stars on an all-new Married with Children, part of a four-hour Sunday on Fox. So our episode begins with Kelly laying on the sofa doing her nails, listening to Listener Dedication Hour on Radio Love Line. The song playing is Love Is by Vanessa Williams and Brain McKnight, miscredited as being sung by Angie Jar or Jerry. Well, it says Jar according to the credits, but there you go. I can't get them all right. 
yes, that should be Brian McKnight, not Brain. I, I do apologise. Yeah, I don't know why they've spelled her name, but I got the information from uh, another source, but I then confirmed in the credits, yeah, they have misspelled her name, but Brian instead of Brain. <laughs> it's amazing how, how it's amazing how often you see the name Brian spelled as Brain. I know. I mean, um, I went to school with Brian, and um, one of his nicknames was Brain Train. <laughs> Playing his last name as well, so um, c- kind of, kind of inevitable. Yeah, so um, so Bud walks in while Kelly's still doing her nails, and uh, he asks if he, if he gets any dedications after he asks Kelly about what she's listening to. How many dedications did I get? <laughs> Three, actually. Lonely boy, like a virgin. <laughs> And when a man loves a rubber woman. And I suppose you got your usual dedication. She works hard for the money. Whatever gave you the idea that I am some cheap tramp? And now, dedicated to Kelly. She works hard. Lonely Boy by Paul Anker. Reference from Season 8, Episode 3, Proud of the Abud, and also an upcoming episode, Season 8, Episode 18, Get Out of Dodge. The other two dedications are Like a Virgin by Madonna and When a Man Loves a Rubber Woman, referenced way back in Season 2 in Buck Can Do It. Like a Virgin was also referenced in ep- Season 8, Episode 1. But, hang on, I think Kelly got a, um, got a dedication as well. She works hard for the money. Oh. oh, hi, Mom. Uh, Bud broke your radio. <laughs> That's okay. It was your father's. <laughs> hey, kids, look what just came in the mail. It's my first Best of Oprah video cassette. <laughs> Volume 1. Mom's a dad, and I'm so sad. <laughs> hmm. Now, Anna, Steve, um, do, do either of you know when the Bundy's got a VHS player? Because um, I remember early in the series, I had a Betamax, and it only had a VHS, and they stole Marcy and Steve's. This is back in the Steve era. So, was it ever actually mentioned when the Bundy's got a VHS player? Or, or did they just have, keep the one they stole from Marcy? I think they did. Like everything, it's always a mystery. Things just appear from nowhere, so the VHS player probably came out of nowhere, like they often do. But I seem to remember it was a, it was a Betamax, that's for sure. Yeah, they did have a beta very early. Yeah, I don't think they've they've ever said that they had a VHS. They probably either kept Marcy's and she got a new one because she and Steve had a super VHS for the bedroom. <laughs> I mean, and obviously Steve took off, and uh, I'm sure I'm sure um, Marcy probably just kept that one, and she's probably just happy at this point, given what other grief they put them through. Um, for the Bundys to keep their old VHS, so probably not much of an issue. Um, much like how on The Simpsons, you got all the stuff that has property and their Flanders in their house. I love that Peg says video cassette. People of today, like kids, are going to know what a video cassette is. That's actually scary. Yeah, well, I still do. <laughs> I do too. I, I still have some. So have I. I've still got married mm. children on, on VHS and I do convert some tapes. People give me some tapes to convert because I actually have a working VCR. So, yeah, that still exists. I still have some original episodes from TV on VHS. I've still not many. I mean, I digitised most. I bought full series, of course, but I still have some old ones still stored away in a VHS tape somewhere. I should check out one day. Oh, mega brill, Steve. Uh, as for me, um, I'm not quite old enough to have watched it when it was on Channel 9 for you fellow Australians. Um, did I get that right? Was it on Channel 9? I think it was yes. on 10 very early on, but it moved to 9 around season 3 or 4. 
Yeah, yeah, nine, yeah, nine was the main one where it used to be on after school. I used to be able to run home and watch it after school. Literally, oh, I bet you could. I bet you're like, oh, school's over, yay! <laughs> I'm probably older. I don't even remember from Channel Ten the first time around at night. <sighs> they put it back on Channel Ten briefly. They showed it a couple of times, and I managed to record it. But yeah, Channel Nine sort of mid '90s era, sort of around this this time of season eight, season nine. Yeah, it was around about when it hit its prime in this country. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know this because I've actually spent quite a few hours looking up old TV guides on televisionau.com. <laughs> oh, wonderful. While we're on the subject, Steve, do you remember the first episode you ever saw or when you started watching it? I and do. you can tell us a little bit about how you found the podcast too. Well, find the podcast. That was actually only a, about a year and a half ago. But look, it goes, my links with married children go way back. And I remember, I was thinking about this last week before we, I decided to hook up with you guys. And it's really interesting. It's clear as a bell. I remember the first episode I saw. It was in 1993. Um, I'd gone away for the weekend with my girlfriend, now wife at, at the time. We went up to Coffs Harbour. And I remember she was getting ready, we were going out for dinner or something like that, and I was sitting on the bed waiting for her to get out of the shower and get ready. And this show came on, it would have been about oh, 7 8 o'clock at night, and I'd never seen it before, and I could not stop laughing, and it was the camping show. Ooh. That was the first one I ever saw, so that was a good in the sea first. And that was the first show I ever saw, and after that, I watched every episode I could, and probably within about three or four months, I was starting to record them all on VHS. So I've watched them right through so many times. I had most of them on VHS tapes until the great old days the DVDs came out, and I got the, um, the original Sony box collection. Got that, so I don't have many of my VHS ones left. But I usually go through the box set probably twice a year from start to finish and enjoy them. And the podcast, I think I probably first caught up with that the Christmas before last and then it was summertime and it just popped up and I had a real good catch up catching up with all the shows and I think I've only, only caught up probably about six months ago um, and just when I was catching up uh, that's when the guys decided to call it a day for a while so but really really enjoying it and really keen to be involved excellent awesome I think season three is the season to introduce someone to marry to children because um, my first episode was a season three one two Steve I can't remember which one, but I think it was The House That Peg Lost. It was around about then. It was, it was just for the computer show. But um, yes, it was season three as well, as I recall. Season three is a good one. I can't remember the very first episode I ever saw. I probably was too young. But when we first got Foxtel in 97, Meredith Children was on Fox 8. And the end of season three was playing when we got it. And that's what that's what rehooked me into the show. Yeah, I think I probably saw a lot of the other... Season one and two, I don't recall seeing until much, much later for some reason. Mm. A fat woman sloshed into the shoe store today. Said she was retaining water. I said not to worry about it. The dam of cellulite holding it back should keep us all high and dry for the next few years. Now, I don't know when they started letting women carry stun guns. This is no ordinary fat woman rant. It starts about a fat woman retaining water. It goes to the fridge. There's actually one beer left for him to drink. Shock horror. Sometimes there's no beer at all, especially this point of the show. And he goes on and on and on and on and on. And then Buck, basically, um, this is the straw that broke his back. There he goes again, on and on about his non-life. Hey, newsflash, people. You have a dog? A dog who hasn't been brushed or bathed in six years? Now I know how Willie Nelson feels. 
Notice how he says six years, which indicates because the show had been on for six years at this point, 87 through 93. And you also see the front front wall of the Bundy living room, interesting enough, which you very rarely see. And I don't think you see it after this episode. I'm not sure. Um, and one thing I noticed about the Bundy um, living room is they appear to have an incredibly old TV. It looks like it's from the mid to late 70s. Yeah, I love that detail though, and I think this—I think you're right. This is the only time we get a like a really good shot like that of that wall. We never see. You do see it very briefly in season eleven, and Kelly's got a habit, but it's like a quick blink and you miss it kind of thing. Yeah, I've made a note of that. It's the only time I remember seeing it. I don't remember this second one with Beth Kelly, but in the habit, I'll have to have checked that one out. But this—I made a note of that. So I've never seen the front of the lounge before. Uh, you do see the back of the TV now and then. Mm. You see the TV at the end of season two as well in All in the Family where they play the video. I think they might have swapped TVs because especially in season 11, I noticed they very much have a Sony TV because Sony owned the show, Sony Columbia. <laughs> so I'll keep an eye out for those when I get to the, the, those in my revisit or po- if I do those podcast episodes. Okay. Yes. So this is, this is, this is, um, this is a, a note I've put here too. Is this is, it's the old uh, the Cheech voice. It is. Mm. What do we think? I don't know. See... Because this is the second time we're hearing Cheech, and we'll hear him again, and it's his last appearance is later this season. So he's done it twice this season and once in season five. So it must have gone well enough in season five to bring him back. I, I think it's an interesting choice. I mean, I like Cheech a lot, but I, I'm, just, I'm just not sure why he's the voice of Buck. It's sort of given him a, a, a sort of a Mexican flavor. <laughs> That's the odd thing because the other guy is, Ke- is Kevin, isn't it? Does it most of the time. And um, Yeah, Kevin Curran. Yeah, he does it most of the time. And it, it just, I always associate his voice with Buck. When Cheech is on, it just seems a bit more cartoonish. It does work. I mean, I'm a big fan of Cheech as well, but just just seems a bit different when he's doing the voice. Yeah, it's it's a very much different. Mm. It's very much like a, a stunt voice because we people know who yeah. Cheech Marin is from Cheech and Chong, of course. But yeah, Buck's voice, uh, yeah, I always associate it with Kevin Curran. He's got sort of the perfect sort of Buck tone. He mm. does get replaced later on with Kim Weiskopf, I think, who wrote this episode, incidentally. So yeah, his voice does change before he turns into Lucky because Kevin Curran left to uh, work on The Simpsons, I think, for another show. Not sure which one myself, but I, I like Cheech's voice. Um, the, my rationale is, I mean, because obviously different to usual Kevin Curran, uh, I think they're probably for, because this is a Buck-centric episode, um, and obviously but season f- with the season five one, I think that was the uh, one where he um, runs away from home and the count BB, BB King in it. Yes. Yeah. So yep. that was a very Buck-centric episode too. Um, maybe Kevin Curran didn't want to do it. I find it hard to believe, though. Um, I can't be- I can't think he'd go and strike or do something else like that. Uh, that's a it's absurd. Um, might be one of those mysteries of TV we'll never understand. Yeah, well, it might be. You might be right because it's a buck-centric episode, and some they want someone to to voice it much longer. Maybe that's the reason why. Yeah, it's like we may as well go all out and get an actual guest star to do it. Yeah. 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 Because there are some voices that are strained on people's vocal cords. Hmm. I mean, one thing that one that comes to my mind, uh, I think, oh, I know there's a few out there. Uh, like on, uh, think of the poor voice actors in, say, Dragon Ball Z, a Japanese anime. When they dub that into English, and I'm sure it was the same for the Japanese original and the various other dubs. That show has a lot of screaming, and um, as some of the voice actors got really, really strange doing that show, simply because of the amount of time they had to scream. Yeah, I can imagine my young fellows used to play Dragon Ball Z a lot. I know there's a lot of screaming, that's for sure. There's a lot. My mum, who had to basically suffer through that show, she referred to it as being the half an hour of scrunching, yelling and fighting. (laughs) 
the fight show, I think one of my sons used to call it. <laughs> Mum, if you listen to this, I'm sure you probably will. Uh, I still love you, and um, I hope you're not traumatised almost 20 years later. <laughs> Don't mind me, I'll just lick my genitalia and go to sleep alone. <laughs> Much like the boy. <laughs> hey, ever hear of affection? We love to be petted. Much like the girl. <laughs> ah, well, that's it. I'm fed up. I can take no more. I'm out of here. So, Buck basically reaching a boiling point with um, Al's ranch, uh, he decides to run away to the local dog pound because he obviously gets caught. Boy, am I sorry. Running away, what the hell was I thinking? Hey, you. New dog. What are you in for? I ran away from home to teach my family a lesson. Well, you know what they say. You can't teach an old family new tricks. Which I suppose is pretty true for the Bundys, because while Buck is gone, Al is still ranting and venting, all powered by the one beer. And it gets to the point where he thinks Buck is still in the house because he steps over invisible air. So and the skinny woman with a hooked nose olive oils into the shoe store and says, I want something to make me look sexy. So I say, you'll have to wait a long time before someone that ugly comes in to stand next to you. Excuse me, boy. I don't know where they started letting women carry nunchucks. And his food still got eaten every day. Oh, it did, it did. Well, Al's got to power, power his rants about, you know, there's another scene in another episode later this season, Noon or Nothing, where a skinny Bond woman asks Al if he has, if he has something to make her look sexy, and he answers, no, do you? And then she then belts him. <laughs> Olive oil is, of course, a reference to being Popeye's love interest, or, or and also Blue Show's, another little fight show there. And, and we go back to the pound, and there's a Macbeth reference. Um, oh. <laughs> out, dang spot, out, I say, while washing blood from her hands. Act 5, scene 1. Great, nice little sign joke there. Yeah. Yeah, that's Lady Macbeth saying that. That is my favourite joke in the episode, probably, that sign. Yes. Yes, I know it well. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. That's one reference I didn't catch. Obviously, English class of high school somehow slipped me all these years later. <laughs> See, you learn things on through television, don't you? Yes. Exactly. I've written it down as well because it stood out straight away. As soon as I saw that, I knew the link straight away. Hail TV! <laughs> Just shows that maybe me and Annabelle are a bit more cultural, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's go with that. <laughs> yeah, so they made me very, a bit more cultural than I already was before I was 16. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so it, it also in the pound, we've got the boxer, who's allegedly in for nothing, according to the boxer. I'm innocent, innocent. <laughs> you know I'm innocent, don't you? <laughs> Only in America, with our system of Jewish prudence, would this have happened to an upstanding boxer like yourself. <laughs> Madonna's dog, after the book came out, he turned himself in. Well, of course, relating to Madonna's book, Sex, from 1992, photography by Stephen Meisel Studio and Fabian Barron. It was edited um, by Glenn O'Brien, published by Warner Brooks, Maverick and Callaway. The book features R-rated, or for Americans, NC-17 X-rated content, including soft porn and stimulations of sexual acts, including S&M. I haven't read the book myself. 
I have seen bits of the book. Uh, I have seen some of the pictures in the book. Just a, just a smidgen, <laughs> eh? <laughs> just, a, just a smidgen. Yeah, yeah. From Madonna? No, never. no, of course not. You see bits of Madonna you don't see very often. Oh, although fair enough, I, I think you probably do see them more than you probably think. <laughs> probably do. But, um, yeah, just referencing those first two dogs, though, did, did you remember or see who the characters were they were trying to be? Uh... Were you talking about Mike Tyson and Don King? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. I'm innocent. <laughs> I'm innocent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that would have been when he was going through, when he was hitting his wife, would that be the case? I'm just trying to remember that because it was around about that time when he was his wife, he was married to Robin Givens and I think he was um, accused of hitting her or something like that at the time. It's a long time ago though. Yeah, there's been other convictions. Oh, mm. 1992, Tyson was convicted of rape yeah. and sentenced to six years That's in prison. It. Yep. But he's on parole after three years. Yeah, and funny enough, he's about to fight again. No way. Mm. Where? Um, in the US, I forget who he's fighting. Roy Jones, I think he's fighting. Roy Jones say- Jr. Jr., yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's been a married children too. Yeah, oh, that's, of course, of course. So yeah, I just I just read this the other day. They're doing a, a, in um, in brackets uh, a, exhibition bout. They're both in their mid fifties. I can't remember where it's going to be. Probably Vegas, but I could be wrong. Um, the exhibition bout, but they say someone was saying once that what they both punch each other once or twice. There won't be an exhibition bout anymore, and they'll try and kill each other. <laughs> <laughs> probably will be. Don King didn't get arrested too, but he just happens, his dog form just happens yeah. to be in the cell as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just so they can make that joke. Just so they make that joke, yeah. But yeah, so boxer Mark Tyson was jailed in 92, so the year before they um, wrote and filmed this, so they probably would have had the idea um, over the summer when they um, like started pitching all the episodes. Mm. Uh, and yeah, the voice of the main dog, Dom DeLuise, Dom DeLuise's son David, would go on to star in Jesse with Christina Applegate in the late 90s. Uh, have either of you seen Jesse? Um, I've never actually, I've seen Samantha Who, I've seen Dead to Me, but I've never actually seen Jesse. Yes, I saw Jesse when it, when it started because um, it was on after Friends here on Channel 9. And yeah, yeah I, I managed to get a, a tape of the first episode from America uh, before it started airing here and watched that. But yeah, I watched it. I watched it all um, because she was in it, basically. The second season, they retooled the show, so it wasn't as good. But the first season was actually pretty decent, and David Faustino shows up in about episode 10 or 11. So that's that's really good one to watch if you're a Bundy fan. Ooh. I only watched one or two of them, and it wasn't really for me, so I left it at that. But, um, yeah, just the old couple of episodes I saw. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I was a similar way with Samantha Who, Steve, back in 2008. Mm. I only watched her because having been a married to children for only, only a few months back then, obviously I heard Christina Applegate, let's try this out. But um, it wasn't for me, so I haven't actually tried Jesse. But um, if I can track it down, uh, I will actually give it a go. Um, so definitely on my to-watch list, or at least to-try list. So we'll go back to the pound and... Uh, one of the dogs is playing Swing Low, Sweet Chariot on a harmonica. The Buck wonders um, how on earth that is actually possible. <laughs> yeah. And Buck is also um, actually aesthetic when he finds out that three days is not a long time to wait for food. So uh, how does it work around here? I mean, like, uh, when do we eat? Eat? Let's see. It's almost nine, about three days from now. <laughs> oh. 
that soon? Hey! I think I'm gonna like this place. Hey, too bad I won't be here long. I mean, not with my family out searching for me. We go back to the sofa, and all the family, sans owl, are having a kip or a rest on the sofa while he's still ranting. This time about a woman who can't speak English. So then this woman comes in who doesn't speak English. She points at the shoes. I point at the door. She points at the sky and knees me in the nays. Bye. Uh... He starts to speak when he gets cut off by the studio audience because by this point, um, <laughs> the studio audience would obviously cheer when any of the main cast walked in. Um, I'm sure they would have hampered the recordings a little bit. Yeah, that must piss them off when they have to hold a line. It does because they're trying to get their timing right. And you can see quite often that they're just stopped and they're just, you can see them, they start to talk and then stop and start again. That Yeah, it must really piss them off sometimes. But then again, it just shows how popular they're getting at this stage. Mm-hmm. Well, that's filming in front of a live audience for you. And I think that, I think they would have enc- probably been encouraged to do it by this point because they don't really get it in earlier episodes. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Uh, had I been, A, old enough at the time um, to attend a taping, I probably would have actually gone to the US and done it. Um, I've, I've said to Anna before that I probably would have been kicked out of a taping. That's what my dad says for being too loud. <laughs> <laughs> no, they probably encourage that. Uh, prob- uh, the audiences from uh, some reports are probably fairly drunk. But, <laughs> yeah, I think they probably encourage them to be too loud. But if you, if you, if you stand out, you might get kicked out then. After the studio audience die down, he, and then there's a nice little bait and switch where basically the rest of the family all dash out of the house, escaping Al's rant. Guess what's happening in a week from now? The nudie bar is having their annual Wrestle Till You're Raw night. <laughs> is it that time of the year already? God, time sure flies when you're married and have no life. <laughs> They're selling raffle tickets for a drawing to see who gets to oil down the first girl. <laughs> ah, yes, first oil. Good news. Mm, how much are tickets? $20, which is... $35.68 in today's US money, and if you convert it into Australian dollar redos, that'd be $49.45. Oh, still a bargain. You're trying to get into a fight now or a wrestle? It cost you more than that. It'd be three figures at least. Whoa, <laughs> by me. <laughs> How about the girls' names, eh? This is an interesting couple of names, aren't they? <laughs> Maria Cantalopez Myers and Yolanda Deep Shade McSwade. Maria and the Shadester, four of my favorites. Now, for our American, our American friends, we, we don't say cant. We know what a cantaloupe is, don't we? But we don't say it here. No, but we know the. We know what they're talking about. Yeah, we know what they're talking about. We call them rock melons. Yes. <laughs> uh, gotta love um, different names. Gotta love different names of food around the world. Because <laughs> it wouldn't be. It wouldn't be rock melonese. Wouldn't work, would it? <laughs> no, it just it just doesn't have the same ring. No. Cantaloupe is good for jokes. There's a quick joke in, in Kath and Kim where Kath is talking about marrying Kel and she says, uh, Kim says, why don't you elope? And she says, I, ca- I can't elope. And she's holding a rock melon at the same time. She's like, I can't elope, Kim. <laughs> it's funny, funny too when you go through British humour, especially in the 70s and 80s, they refer to boobs as melons all the time. Yes. <laughs> they sure do. <laughs> 
I mean, if Married for Life, the UK remake of this, had actually been a success and not sucked, they might the craze might have been <laughs> melons, melons, yum, 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 melons, melons on a bird that's dumb. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, they are four of Al's favourites. Yes, they are indeed. Um, for twenty dollars. Um, All right. Well, t- turn around. Though. I don't want you to see where I hide the money. Which happens to be pickpocketing from Jefferson's pocket. <laughs> Which Peggy's done to Al before. And how how stupid is yeah how how stupid is Jefferson? He can't feel that. Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you'd think because he would have known Al for almost three years at this point. You'd think Jefferson would have realised what sort of person Al is by now. But no. Well, usually though, Jefferson doesn't have any money anyway. It's usually one of Marcy's credit cards he's got. Usually, yes, but obviously not this time. <laughs> obviously, no. Oh, oh. Did you watch Mash, Matt? Uh, I've seen various bits of it, Anna. I remember um being on re- Eternal reruns in Channel Seven back in the nineties and two thousands. Uh, but it was always a sort of show associated more with Mum and Dad. So Mash has been one of those shows I never really um properly sat down and watched. But I have seen bits of it over the years since I was a kid. But I've never actually watched the whole thing. Yeah, I have. I've actually not long ago got the whole set to go through. I did quite a lot when I I think I'm a little bit older than you guys, and I've gone through it several times over the years. It's something something quite unique it is worth going through uh sometimes it can be increasingly piss funny and sometimes it could be absolutely tragic that's the interesting part about it but it is worth going through yeah i brought up mash because uh larry linville is going to be one of the judges yeah yes um larry linville played um surgeon major frank burns for those who don't know their mash um well, i didn't know which character he played so there there i go so did lumber city give him the week off probably reference that um has his career had obviously fallen a bit since nineteen eighty three when they said goodbye, farewell and our men. Like a lot of other actors, Larry Linville was probably a little bit desperate for work at the time. Uh, he's no longer with us sadly. He sadly passed away um twenty years ago actually. Wow. Was Lumber City uh, I've got a question mate next I had no idea what Lumber City was. Was it a TV show? Well we we had a look, we on the research team and we couldn't find any reference to it or anything like that anywhere. It could um, say Luigi thought it might be a reference to commercial work and I just thought it was like a general reference Mm. to how his career has fallen since then. So I don't Mm. know if it's an actual thing. I mean, the internet gave out nothing. So, uh, yeah, we're just making assumptions there. (laughs) Probably is a reference to the falling. I just had a look then. Anything I could find was Lumber City, which is a tiny city in the US state of Georgia. In Georgia, yeah. That's the only thing I could find too, yep. So if you go back to the pound for a bit, uh, Buck is actually getting really worried. Gee, uh, I wonder what's taking the family so long. <laughs> I mean, they sure act fast enough when the blonde girl gets lost. <laughs> of course, unlike her, I've never got lost in the house. <laughs> okay, I understand getting lost in, say, Ikea. I understand getting lost in, say, a big shopping centre, like um, in Adelaide, where Anna lives. There's a big one called Marion, which is basically <laughs> bigger than any shopping centre in Perth. I can imagine getting lost in there. <laughs> yeah, but this is this is Kelly we're talking about. It is, it is. And also, Buck is not anyone's bitch. Yes. The most dramatic part of the episode is Buck is basically given notice that there's seven days or less until he's drinking out of the Lord's toilet. That's a cage soiler. Hey, 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 hey. I'm not anyone's bitch, okay? <laughs> No, no, not that. <laughs> Too bad, though, he is a looker. 
I mean, you better hope somebody comes in to get you in seven days or less. What happens after seven days? Well, let's say you'll be drinking on a guard's toilet. <laughs> you mean I'll, I'll be dead? Whoa, that's certainly a cage soiler. <laughs> hey, but I'm not worried. I mean, I got four people scouring the city for me right now. Like there's Bud, you know? Uh, <clears throat> well, if you can't even find a two-legged dog, why would I think you'd find a four-legged one? Oh, but the girl, the girl is an idiot. I wouldn't have any use for her at all if she didn't undress in front of me. Ah, well, the redhead. She wouldn't know I was gone unless my picture was on the side of a bonbon box. I guess my only hope was the big dumb guy with the stinky feet. My pal Al. He won't let me down. Besides, what else has he got going in his life? He can't find a two-legged dog, let alone a four-legged one. <laughs> that was a good one. I like that. Yes. <laughs> he doesn't refer to Kelly or Peggy by their names, just um, the blonde one and the red-haired one. The girl. <laughs> the girl. Peggy, she wouldn't care unless um, Buck was on the side of a packet of Fox's Glacier Fruits, which is my favourite brand of bonbons. <laughs> <laughs> For those who don't know what they are, um, they are a British band of bonbons uh, made in Leicester. So they're my favorite, personal favorite band of bonbon. Uh, sometimes I eat them when I watch Married to Children. Uh, and then Buck realizes that he's doomed when he sees the um, ad in the paper for the Hooter fight. I still can't understand how Buck can read. He's a fairly smart dog. <laughs> <laughs> Well, f- think of what he does all day, you know, when um, Al's at work, Peggy's just on the sofa, um, eating bonbons or watching Oprah, Bud- Bud's at school or college, uh, Kelly's um, out with who knows what guy, uh, working as a verminator. I suppose what you say, he's always sitting on the step there, so he's very observant, so he must learn a lot. Yeah. He would have. He would have over the years um, that they've had him, because um, they would have had him for at least a year or two before um, the show began, because Buck's there for right from the start. So in dog years, he would have, he's had at least uh, 56, 63 years to read? Yeah, something like that. All the time of the world, really. <laughs> Gee, come to think of it, we don't really do much, do we? <laughs> yeah, so we, the show goes to commercial break. It comes back, and the audience is really sympathetic. Since his people had him fixed, he doesn't date much. But hang on, wasn't Buck fixed back in season two? Yes, he was. Or was he? Continuity error. Naughty writers. Buck was he was neuted. Oh, did that actually? That went, uh, it finished. Did it actually follow through? And he got neutered. Just trying to think now. No, because um, Al took Peggy upstairs, so we don't actually know if Buck got neutered or not. That's right. Hmm. Yeah. No, because it looks like he d- does, but obviously from this episode he doesn't. So let's just say he he, he wasn't. And another dog thinks abducted and adopted are the same thing. <laughs> it's visitor's day. Why, we could get abducted. <laughs> no, no, he means adopted. <laughs> if a family comes in and likes you, you're sprung. <laughs> I want this one. Oh, but honey, he's old and ugly. 
Yeah, well, from where I stand, you're not exactly Sharon Stone yourself. <laughs> now, Sharon Stone, Sharon Yvonne Stone, born 10th of March 1958, for those who don't know, she's an American actress, producer, former fashion model, and a recipient of a Primetime Emmy Award and Golden Globe Award, perhaps most notable for, for erotic thrillers, especially around the time this was made, Basic Instinct from 1992 and Sliver from 1993. Yeah, and I think here this is a is a is about Basic Instinct. I think what Buck's getting at is he can see up a dress. Yeah. <laughs> from where he stands, and what he is seeing is what is old and ugly is what he's alluding to. Yes, for where he stands. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was a good one. Yes, very well played there. Yeah, Basic Instinct has um, been referenced a couple of times already on Married with Children. Uh, two times last season, season seven, in the old college try and Heels on Wheels. So it was still sort of flavour of the month about this time. It was quite big. I do remember actually going to the movies to see it. That was a, quite a big thing at the time, that's for sure. Wow. Well, I mean, I have no idea because at that point in time, I, I hadn't even been to the cinema. <laughs> Well, I think that, of course, it's famous for that scene. And when you went to the pictures and saw that on the, on a big screen, um, everybody just hold their breath just for that split second to see what they could catch in that, that, that bit of time. <laughs> and it was, yeah, it was quite amazing on the big screen. Lucky we didn't have the big, um, big giant screens back then like we do now. Mm. Yeah, we didn't get those here in Perth, which is known for getting things incredibly later than the rest of Australia, or at least was until the, this century. Uh, we didn't get any mega screen where I lived until I was eight or nine, so ninety nine, two thousand. Oh, we probably have about ten years plus here now. The, the big, the big, big ones. Yeah. So six days pass. Peg finally notices something is missing from the house. Al, have you noticed anything different around the house lately? You know, I just can't help but feel that there is something missing. And I am very observant about these things. <laughs> Eat up, boy. Well, Peg, what do you think? That is the most disgusting tie I've ever seen. I'm not talking about the tie, I'm talking about the shirt. Al, he's got a light-up hooter tie on, which is nothing like the ties I wear to work. <laughs> Imagine if you did in this day and age. Well, um, in my work, at, in my work at least, um, n- almost no one wears a tie. I'm one of the few who does. <laughs> Since we've gone out of fashion here. I've seen one of those ties, either Al's or Jefferson's, for sale online. I can't remember if it was eBay or one of those other sites that has TV memorabilia. It was online sometime. I might have a look for it. Oh, I, I don't think I won't be buying it. I'm quite happy with my ties from Myers, David Jones, Debenhams, department stores for those of you listening, and so on and so forth. But Al isn't concerned about his tie. He's asking Peggy about his shirt to make sure it's okay for the contest. He doesn't care about the tie. All while Bud is walking down the stairs and Pat's invisible buck. Going to the frat house. How you doing, boy? Hey, Bud, have you noticed anything missing around here lately? Hmm. The Van Gogh? Of course, late, late great artist Vincent Van Gogh, for those who don't know, from the Netherlands. And then Kelly comes home from Walking Invisible Buck. I was out walking Buck. <laughs> when suddenly I realised that he wasn't stopping at every tree and hydrant on the block. 
And that's when I looked down at the end of the leash and saw that I was buck naked. <laughs> because he thinks she's buck naked. Hang on. So as Anna said earlier, if his food kept getting eaten by owl. Not the first time dog food has been eaten by humans on this show. Yeah, it's probably not half bad for Al. And doesn't he look like he's enjoying it? What do you expect? It's probably the only food he gets to eat. <laughs> I'm sure you remember um, this show, Steve, and good old Kingswood Country, um, which I've mentioned talked oh, yeah. about in this podcast yeah. before, um, the Australian classic. Uh, Ted Bullpit actually goes to the hospital for eating goodos in one episode. Goodos. <laughs> Ted, they're not made for human consumption. What? Oh. Pick up your grandmother! <laughs> Pickle me grandmother. Yep. But yes, yeah, so I'll just briefly mention for those American listeners or non-Australian New Zealand listeners tuning in for the first time, uh, Kings of the Country was basically all in a family or to deficit part with all, all the serious stuff taken out. I think he was, um, I think Ted Bull, Bull Pitt was far dumber than um, Alf Garner and Archie Bunker. He was. They really played, the, <laughs> they really amped up the whole village idiot with those shows yeah. uh, and t- took, took all the drama out. <laughs> Buck's gone. Okay, now, kids, uh, go outside and look under the house where your father usually hides. <laughs> I'm going to go get a flashlight. we got to find Buck. <laughs> Buck's gone! While Alan Jefferson's ties match, we're ready for the nudie bar. They didn't draw my number for first oil, but they drew yours. <laughs> the rest of the family are really upset with Al. Kelly makes a very good point here about how the whole family, all four of them, should actually go looking for Buck. Buck is the family dog, and the whole family should look for him. Oh, pumpkin! <laughs> now, if you were a dog, where would you go? Well, that depends. Are you a dog too? <laughs> and he actually said, "What did he say?" He says, "Buck might have run away, or at least he's up up the street doing that little cocker spaniel." Yes. <laughs> Our dog Buck might, for the first time in his life, be truly happy. Who cares? We want him back. Yeah, we want Buck. Al is indifferent because he doesn't really care. Because the owl actually goes out, does a quick look, comes home with another dog, which is obviously not Buck, a completely different breed. This isn't Buck. <laughs> well, that may be, but I still gotta go. <laughs> okay, Al. Now look, if pouring some oil on some women that even Senator Packwood wouldn't grope. It's more important to you than reuniting your faithful and loving puppy with your faithful and loving family, then just go. But know that we'll be here crying our eyes out. Okay, okay. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> okay. Buckle, come home. I always do. Kelly just, she starts whimpering. She starts all bawling her eyes out. Uh, going back to all in the family almost channeling her inner glorious civic Sally Struthers <laughs> Al is just dumb enough to think his family are all Kellys 
try not to theme to Lassie. Anything but the theme to Lassie, you know how it chokes me up? Not the, not the theme to Lassie. <laughs> Used in previous episodes like Buck Saves the Day and The England Show Part 2. Before, before we go back to the pound, you may notice when they're walking out of the house that Al's tie is turned off. Hmm. And also, for those who don't know American politics, Senator Bob Packwood, born on September 11th, 1932, is a former senator from um, or- Oregon and a member of the Republican Party. He was a senator for many years until 1995, when he was threatened to be expelled after allegations of sexual harassment, abuse and assault of women emerged. It began to unravel not long after the 1992 election, which he, which he won, with, with the Washington Post, a national newspaper, de- detailed claims of the abuse, which was withheld because he denied the allegations, this, withheld before the election, that is, and the Post had not gathered enough um, information to run a story on it. He, he won the election by around six points before 19 women came forward, but this would ultimately lead to the end of his career. So there's a reference that a lot of people who aren't American or don't follow American politics wouldn't get. Packwood would also be mentioned in Season 9, Episode 19, Ship Happens, Part 2, and Season 10, Episode 23, But It's the Books. So there you have it. Uh, Peg just compared Al to the Bill Cosby of politics. <laughs> so we go back to the pound. They're not really going to take me through the green door, are they? The Lord is my German shepherd. <laughs> I shall not want. And we f- and we find out that um, it's two minutes to midnight. He's getting sick of that harmonica playing dog. Buckhorse has to go at the Padre Reverend dog about his um how his time's gonna come. I shall not want, which is a reference to Psalm twenty three. The Lord is my shepherd; I shall not want. <laughs> the Lord is my German shepherd. They do good with these the dog characterizations. That for some reason that dog looks like a priest. It does, yeah, <laughs> doesn't it? And earlier on, we get a we get a Jerry Lewis dog as well. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> hey, lady, lady. Yes, we do the Jerry Lewis dog, uh, which reminds me we need to watch some more Jerry Lewis films and whatnot. Uh, so two minutes become one minute. We're all thinking, oh no, is Buck gonna go? Well, those who've seen the whole series know he doesn't, but I'm sure had I watched this when I first aired, I would be feeling the same way. If only my people would come for me. I promise I'd, I'd never run away again or, or chew on their shoes or, or pass wind and watch as they blame it on the boy. It's, it's them! Well, what is it, Peg? Well, we've been to about 40 of these places, huh? This is the last one, Al. They've come to rescue me! Oh, gosh. I knew they wouldn't forget me. Well... He's not here! <laughs> and with the last 30 seconds, the Bundys arrive. But they don't realise Buck is straight away, do they? No, they're very observant. No. <laughs> they, hang on, they notice all the other dogs, and the executioner is getting eager to do his job, which is a bit, sh- which is a bit shocking. Like someone in the audience is like, oh no. That would have been me. There's someone in that office, that, in that audience, there's someone in that audience that's really quite often going, oh, oh, they're yeah. quite vocal. Just sounds like the one lady, I think, but she's really starting to sound upset. 
Well, I don't blame her. I mean, maybe she's a big Buck fan. Mm. <laughs> Do you know the irony in this is they should be putting you guys to sleep in 30 seconds. <laughs> Bud finally recognizes Buck, and the executioner says it will cost $20 to get him out. 20 bucks? Why, for 20 bucks, I can get a real good suit. <laughs> yeah, right. $20 would not buy you a good suit. Back then, or now, or in the US, or here. Yeah, good luck going into, say, Kmart in Australia and getting your suit. Let alone Myers, or David <laughs> Jones, or John Lewis, or <laughs> Debenhams, or whatever de- other department stores you have around the world. The cheapest suit you get in Australia would be at Lowe's. $99. There you go. Australian. <laughs> no, I haven't bought one. <laughs> I did once when I was skint or broke. Um, then they got too big for me and I donated it to charity anyway. Um, my current suit costs around 500 bucks. <sighs> Better be a good suit. Oh, it was, Anna, it was. I wore it to um, four weddings over the past couple of years. I and worn a funeral? To- <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, I was about... Uh, actually, I stand corrected, Anna. I did. Um, sadly, <laughs> one, of my, um, one of my classmates from school passed away last year, so I did wear it to that. Right. Yes, it was the reason I had to take it to the dry cleanse to get a makeup stain off it. But that's another story for another time. Oh, hello. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, so, uh, Buck actually starts doing one of Al's rants. A fathead losered his way into the pound today. <laughs> one of the rare occasions of the show that um, someone parodies one of Al's rants. Only this time, no one can hear it. I like that Bud was the first to recognize Buck, because you remember back in the season two episode, we mentioned before that Buck is technically Bud's dog. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, but I think by this time, it, it they've either forgotten or it doesn't really matter, because by the end of Buck's tenure, he's sort of, um, Kelly becomes is the one who's closest to him, and in this episode as well, she's clearly the most upset. Hence the water works early, and uh, she's really, really sad. Uh, yeah, poor Kelly. Aww. But there's one reference I actually missed here in this scene just before the Bundys come. Uh, Buck, Buck's wondering if they're going to, he's going to be taken to the Green Door, which uh, is a subtle reference to perhaps the 1972 pornographic film, again with the um, pornography re- references here. Um, yeah, not, uh, Behind the Green Door starring Marilyn Chambers. <laughs> yes, which ushered in the golden age of pornography. <laughs> <laughs> I'm impressed you knew that without the notes in front of you, Steve. I do know this on top of my head. Funny that. Marilyn Chambers <laughs> is a name from Home and Away, so that's all I can think of. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that. I don't. I can Home just picture away. her, like you know how she used to dress, and and like she's a bit of an airhead. So I'm picturing her in a, in a it's like a soft porn film or whatever. Oh no, no, this is a very different lady. Oh dear, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure it is. I'm sure. She was well, actually, just as we digress, she's well, she was well known for she be, being interviewed in the bath. Ah. So I remember she came out here many years ago. This would be in the late 80s, early 90s. And she was doing the rounds of Australian TV shows. And I think it was one of the old ones. It was either the Ray Martin show or the Mike Walsh show. And she got wheeled out, out in a bath full of soapy water. She would only be interviewed in a bath naked. <laughs> Ah, oh, fair enough. <laughs> like you do. Yes. <laughs> well, whatever floats a toy tugboat in the bath. <laughs> but look her up. I don't think she's with us anymore, but yeah, by all means, look her up. Yeah, all the pictures I'm seeing are I might do- nipples and... <laughs> <laughs> Is safe search on or off? Uh, it's usually off. <laughs> <laughs> 
just checking, because sometimes Safe Search doesn't do its job and something slipped through, like in my high school's internet filters. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is one of those, what the guys were saying in the early, earlier podcast, uh, does she appear naked on the internet? Well, Marilyn Chambers certainly does. <laughs> Yes. And she's sadly no, no longer with us. Um, she was born in 1952, but died 10 days short of her um, 67th birthday on the 12th of April 2009. Huh. So, sadly no longer with us. Yeah, we weren't too sure about this Green Door reference. If anyone's got a better theory, or um, maybe it's a reference to the Green Door book by o. Henry, but I thought it was biblical. I don't know. And there's a song called Green Door by Jim Lowe, and that was referenced back in Season 5 in Oldies But Youngins. Mm. The Green Door song I remember is the Shaken Stevens one. Is that the same song? Oh, it might be. I'm not mm. sure, I'm not familiar with the Shaken Stevens version, but very well maybe. I'm not sure either, because um, I, I know Shaken Stevens mainly from his Christmas here from 85. Merry Christmas, everyone. So he's obviously a different era. But he did, he did cover this old house around the same time. It was another 50 songs. Well, most of his songs were, yeah, most of his old songs were 50s covers. So that was what he made his name on. Yes, uh, the only song I know of his is Merry Christmas, everyone, which basically, if you have, I mean, I've got family in the UK, so I've spent two Christmases there, you can't get away from it. It's one of those songs you can't get away from. Agree, I did a Christmas there once myself, I totally agree with you. So, we go back to the Bundy house, all seems to be back to normal. Well, about as normal as you get in, in um, 9764 Jeopardy Lane. The radio is repaired with um, tape. Donna Summer, she works hard for the money, is blaring from it. And Peggy is aesthetic with an Oprah 2 video. Kelly, <laughs> the best of Oprah volume 2 just came. Here we go. The cross and the double cross. Catholic men who dress like women. I just got here written in my notes when Peg come in with the best of Oprah volume 2. So the, the title was quite relevant in today's circumstances. Cross and double cross Catholic men who dress like women. <laughs> and we've had much of that we've had much of that controversy down here haven't we mm. <laughs> I wish the world were a fly and I was a giant rolled up newspaper here we go a fat woman clip clopped into the shoe store today and said I need something I'd be comfortable in I said try Wyoming <laughs> <laughs> Which, um, for, for those who don't know American geography, is a pretty bloomin' big state. Like something comfortable, said Try Wyoming. <laughs> <laughs> it used to be the state you often saw in those, some of those old westerns, wasn't it? Pretty much. It is pretty much the Wild West in real-life form. Yeah, it's doubly landlocked. Sure is. Good to see you ge- geography nerd there too, Anna. Uh, not really, but sort of. Hey, if you know, if you know that sort of fact, then it's easy quiz team material. Well, I thought I knew it, and I checked it, and I think I'm right. Yes, there it says. Wyoming is a doubly landlocked state in the western United States. Yes. It is the 10th largest by area. Well, if you're ever in, if you're ever in Perth, you're more than welcome to um, join, my, join my quiz team. Well, WA is the Wyoming of Australia, is it not? <laughs> but yes, for, um, so where I live in WA is basically um, the western third of the country, mainly open, so basically cross between the prairies of Canada, Arizona and California of the US, and uh, for British listeners, think somewhere like Lincolnshire and North Yorkshire. So, so going back to the episode... Now, I don't know when they started letting women carry chainsaws. <laughs> oh, like your family's any better. 
It's time for no man to take a little break in the Jiggly Room. I'm the DJ, and I'm gonna play a little bit of music that was on this week's episode of Marry with Children. pretty much more or less it ends there i was just thinking she works hard for the money must have been very cheap to use because they've used it twice this season already and we've heard it before at least once in season five and it's always been referenced and and usually in uh in kelly's direction i'm just wondering if it was very cheap to use it must be man it must be all right to use in terms of copyright with all the trouble they had with the theme you'd think oh something Mm. like that they'd probably get wiped and i know I know here in Australia we got that old show called The Late Show on ABC and so many of those shows can't be replayed because of copyright in terms of, of songs. So it's interesting they can play that song over and over with no penalty. Yeah. It must have been cheap because they use it in Season 7 as well. I mean, some songs are cheaper than others and some companies are cheaper than others too because we all know that the Married to Children DVDs are badly edited enough, well, the original Sony pressings, but... Another American sitcom was so badly edited, I actually refused to buy it. Hmm. Namely, The Odd Couple, because um, they have that many musical references in the show, even just a character singing the song, that they had to they basically butcher the episodes to be cheap. Yeah. I've heard this. Yeah, I've heard the same thing about WKRP in Cincinnati. That's why I haven't bought the DVDs. Oh, no, I think that I think I read they actually brought out a proper version, DVD version of that. They might have. Yeah, now. Probably incredibly expensive. But yeah, The Odd Couple still remains butchered on DVD because uh, I watched the whole thing on on Fox Classics, on Foxtel back in the day, and sadly never seen it again. I haven't seen it in 11 years now because I've seen the, They had actually played the uncut episodes with uh, the uh, musical references. I mean, one of the scenes, scenes of the series finale is ruined because of the, the cuts. No Ma'am will be right back to wrap up this week's review. Be sure to join their Facebook group page for all the podcast news and updates. Be sure to subscribe to them on the Apple Podcast app and please leave a review telling them what you think of the show. To subscribe to their YouTube channel, just go to channels and search up Married with Children Podcast. Join their Patreon and support your favorite podcast with a small monthly donation. You can email them at marriedwchildrenpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for checking out this review. Okay, so... How many days are you staying in the dog pound from your loved ones for this episode? 
Well, me? Well, let's see. Uh, I thought it was a good, solid episode. I quite like Buck episodes. I was a huge fan of the Buck, ep- um, Buck episode from season season five. Uh, so I like this one too. Uh, now, I, I may live alone, um, but I'm staying four days away from my own house, which is going incredibly empty for this episode. I might live alone, but I'm pretty sure my family and friends wouldn't let me rot if I was somehow whisked away from my house and chucked in a dog pound. <laughs> well, I give it four days? Well, I say, like I said, pretty solid throughout. It's not one of my gold-tier episodes, like No, like no Man earlier on, or for episode, early ep, ep, earlier season, You Better Shop Around, parts one and two. But I thought it was pretty solid overall. I quite liked the, the plot of it. I liked the scenes in the pound with the family and the other dogs. Uh, I've always been a fan of absurd comedy like this, like when you hear the thoughts of animals or whatnot. Uh, I've always been a fan of this sort of, this sort of humour, so to speak. Uh, I just thought it all worked really well, how Kelly getting upset when um, is she, uh, really taking Bucks, Bucks seriously. Well, they all are, but Kelly is especially. Uh, yeah, just proof that... Um, we're well, almost halfway through, season, halfway through season eight, so proof that we, the show's still got plenty of life left in it here. So, Anna, I think I will spend three days in the pound away from my family for this episode. It's sort of uh, one of those episodes that is simple in construct, which I usually appreciate. But I think here there's not enough sort of there's nothing really meaty to sort of grab onto, really. But I think. Uh, like some other episodes this season, it's going to be the uh, lots of little things that sort of work for me. Uh, like I mentioned before, the Shakespeare reference with the Macbeth animal pound sign. That's probably my favourite joke in the episode. I like that we get Buck's actual point of view. And I like that Amanda Burst directed this and it's her first director directed episode this season. And, uh, yeah, we get that shot of the Bundy lounge room wall and everything. Then just little things like lines like um, Al saying four of my favorites or things like that. So, yeah, I'll get a three out of five. It's 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 OK. And, but the, the, yeah, there's just not a lot in it. When watching this episode, I sort of realized I hadn't really taken a lot of notes because there just wasn't a lot in them in this episode compared to uh, previous episodes we've already done this season. And I just hope that doesn't continue for the rest of this season because there is a lot of good stuff in season eight. How about you, Steve? What would you, how many days would you give this episode? And Anna, good analysis there. Uh, maybe at this point the writers will, I don't know, not, maybe not didn't care, but uh, maybe they just um, didn't, well, didn't keep full tabs on all these things adding up because the show was very cartoonish by this point. Look, I'll, on second thoughts, I'll, I'll give it... Uh, Four days in the pound. Now, this is one of those where I watched this one twice this week. It's one of those that doesn't really sit in the memory. When I think back on, I think, oh yeah, that was one where he, he goes in the pound. I don't think much more of it. Um, I, when I sat and actually watched it a couple of times in more depth, I do have a lot of notes here. There are some blank spots there, but there's a lot of good gags in it. There's some, some great one-liners there. Um, just simple things like oh, I'm not anyone's bitch, okay, and just uh, just simple quick lines that come out. The thing about Sharon Stone, old and ugly, and just just simple lines like that come up. Um, I think like a lot of episodes, when Marcy's not there, I, I miss her. That's one of the things. Um, it's very buck centric, and you don't really notice Al, but when Al pops up, he comes up with some classics. Just eating the dog food. I mean, I was rolling in the aisles when I watched him do that. Some of the looks he gets on his face when he was eating those walking to the door, I just thought it was absolutely classic. Um, 
And of course, the R, R, yes, first oil. I just love the way he says that. Um, just some of those things. It's that sort of episode. I think watching it a second time, I appreciate it a bit more. And that happens, seems to happen a lot in, the, in series seven, eight, and on to nine, where the first time you, you, you think back on it and think, oh, I don't remember much about that. But when you actually watch it a second time and third time, oh, this, that's right, that's where this was. And, and that's where that occurred. And that's where that line came out of. And that makes it a bit more enjoyable than I actually remembered it. So I did enjoy it. I, as I said, I watched it twice to make sure I really did enjoy it. Um, I did. It's not one of the best, but it's certainly not one I wouldn't watch again. So I'll give it a four. Good. Good. That's a good analysis. Yeah, so uh, the average of about, uh, let's see, uh, three, and a, three and a third. So um, all, all in all, a uh, good, good episode. Uh, yes, and one of the six, six to my mind in particular. All right, I said I was going and I'm going. But let me tell you something. I'm not going to just disappear. You'll see me again. Wherever a fat woman shoves a smelly foot <laughs> in front of some poor guy's face, I'll be there. And now, the last word on this episode. Calling in from his two-thirds acre retirement property on Lake Chickamacomico that the government hasn't yet padlocked, ladies and gentlemen, I give you the creator and executive producer of the Married with Children podcast, Mr. Alex Edwards. <laughs> Woof, woof. What's up? It's your pal Al. Back for another quick breakdown of this week's episode Change for a Buck. When a man loves a rubber woman. <laughs> that was amazing, Kelly. And remember, guys, she works hard for the money, so it doesn't pay to be cheap. Cool view from behind the couch, you know, Buck's view looking at the wall behind the TV. I posted this years ago on our Married with Children Facebook group page because that is just one of those things you never really see and you always wonder what is in front of them besides that studio audience. And, and we see it's pretty boring actually, but <laughs> fascinating nonetheless. Buck with Tommy Chong's voice. Ugh. Uh. You know, I'm not a fan of that, man. Kevin Curran is my Buck's voice. But I guess when they do these long, drawn-out episodes like the guys talked about earlier, um, they just keep going with Tommy Chong. I, I don't know why, but yeah. It doesn't seem to fit Buck's personality, really. And he's, uh, he's he was less annoying in this episode, I'll, I'll say that much. Like, he was trying to be too cool the first time. Um, this time, eh, he was still trying to be cool but it was not as abrasive to me. Did I say Tommy Chong? I meant Cheech Marin. <laughs> Where is my mind? I think I've been smoking too much. No, just kidding. I don't do that, even though it was legalized in New Jersey. <laughs> Buck locked up in the dog kennel. Dog with Mike Tyson's voice. That was interesting. <laughs> Complete with a Don King dog. Uh, right alongside of him. I guess stealing his, uh, whatever they have there. That was a really cool moment where Al pickpocketed Jefferson. He goes, turn around. I don't want to show you where I hide my money. <laughs> and he pickpockets him. That was great. And instead of putting it back, I like how Al threw the wallet on the table. He's like, I ain't putting that back on your ass, buddy. So the joke where the family talks to a, a buck that isn't there. Um, it really kind of worked when Al first did it, when he stepped over buck. But it sort of didn't work when Peg and Bud did it. 
And then it gets even more bizarre try with it where Kelly was walking around with just a leash, <laughs> walking Buck, and then suddenly realizes she's Buck naked. So, you know, for that joke, I will let that slide. And uh, it was worth it. I'll say it was worth it. Uh, that ridiculousness of her just walking around with a leash just to get that joke out. That's fine. They made that work. And it follows up great with Al being the one who's been eating Buck's dog food. He, like, turns around with that look on his face while he's, like, chomping away. That was just perfect. You know, most people saw that coming, but the way it was delivered was really good. Al gives up Wrestle Till You're Raw with Maria Cantalopez Myers to find Buck. I'm not sure I would have given that up. With one minute to uh, gas time, or however they kill these dogs... Uh, the Bundys come in, but not before that creepy dog reading Buck his last rites or whatever. Number one, it's creepy looking already, but when it walks away right before the Bundys show up, look at how creepy he, like, skulks away. It's really, uh, odd. Then the episode wraps up where they get Buck and promise things will be better, and they're not. You know, I'm, I, I just can't be totally on board with a Cheech Marin Buck. It was fine. It wasn't amazing. It wasn't a highlight of the season. It wasn't super strong, but it's uh, it's a Sunday night, I guess, you know. Just if you love the Bundys, you, this came on, I, I guess you're cool with it, you know. Uh, so, I like it. So, three out of five. That's Al, folks! So, I hope you all enjoyed our um, Down Under Nudie Bar review this week, all the way from Australia. G'day, mate. I, I fail at doing a real Aussie, Aussie accent. That's why I'm living here all my life. <laughs> I think some people overseas have better Australian accents than we do because they don't know what it sounds like. And when Americans do it, they tend to make it sound like a cockney. <laughs> yeah, they have maybe Crocodile Dundee to go by, or that's all I can think of at the moment. But yeah, throw another shrimp on the barbie. Yeah, barbie, mate. Even though we call them prawns. Yeah, I don't know where shrimp comes from. Exactly. It's like when they, oh, the famous part of Crocodile Dundee, the Americans couldn't understand is when he said, stay in the bloody crows. And they had to take it out of the movie. <laughs> well, that just makes me think of Home and Away again. <laughs> yeah. Home and Away, for those who don't know, is an Australian soap opera. Basically, our version of, say, EastEnders, Blah by the Sea. Yeah, it's been running for about 200 years, and the main character, oh, I say main character, he's the only character that's still on the show who's been there since the start. His name is Alf Stewart, and he's a legend. He is. But he's always saying things like, stone the flame and crows. <laughs> yeah, mongrel. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, we may need subtitles for the um, people who don't live in Australia for that reference. They should have done that for Crocodile Dundee. <laughs> so once again thank you for joining us here in the, in the Australian nudie bar um, from all around the world and uh, our next episode season 8 episode 12 tune in next week for just a little off the top all, all I'll say is but we're not going to the barber shop here no 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 but you have to tune in next week to find out a little off the top of what uh, all I'll just say is not his head well he's <laughs> only got about six hairs left there anyway yeah, but it's probably the head he thinks with. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> you win the internet today, Steve. 
maybe that's the thing about this episode. It's it's followed by two very entertaining, good, fun episodes. So I sort oh. of watched this episode in anticipation of the next couple. Yeah, it's it's funny, isn't it? You go along a little bit and think it's a bit quiet, and then all of a sudden, it's a couple of, one or two classics just come come out of nowhere. Oh yeah. 